You are listening to KC Sports Network, proudly presented by Emprise Bank. Coming up, the latest episode of Five Things to Watch. Five things to watch here on KC Sports Network, getting you ready for Chiefs Vikings this Sunday. You're going to hear from a bunch of different shows here on KC Sports Network, one different thing from each show. We're starting here with the KC Laboratory. Maddie Lane Craig out. Matthew, hello. How are we today? I am great. Hello. Thank you for introducing me this time, unlike on the lab where you just threw bad jokes around and expected us to respond to them. Um, Greg, how are you doing? I'm doing phenomenally, Maddie. Thank you for also not throwing me to a uh, doubt. Man, I screwed it up. Never mind. <laughs> throw, me, throw me to the wolves. Wait, are we really restarting? Okay. No. No. Okay, I'm glad. Thank you. All right, what are you well, about today, Kit? Well, we are talking about the run game because we really didn't spend a t- ton of time on the Casey Laboratory discussing the for run the show. game. Uh, yeah, we, we did it. And so we need to kind of talk a little bit about it because it is a staple of this offense. Recently, it's been a big driving force in the success of this team. And uh, yeah, I think it, it definitely warrants some attention in any game at this point, the way the offense has kind of needed the uh, the run game to kind of get going. Yeah, and I mean, there's two entire sides to this. So I think we want to start a little bit with, I guess, how the, how the Chiefs have been running the ball. And it's been really good these past couple of weeks. And I think it's kind of coincided with them getting away from trying to marry every run they do with the RPO game. They are no longer just slamming their heads into a wall trying to run outside zone. I don't care about with who. They're just not trying to run outside zone over and over again. Even the inside zone runs have gone down a little bit and now... You're getting more gap runs. You're getting more varied stuff. You're getting counters. You're getting power plays. They're doing a lot of different stuff in the run game now, and you're seeing that it's having a big impact. Not only are guys blocking it out better than they were doing some of this other stuff, but you can tell defenses don't quite have as good of a read on it, and the Chiefs are getting some really big running lanes behind these lead blockers because they're filling in and they're catching guys trying to spike, and it's making these big gaps for Pacheco, or Clyde or Lair to work through. So, like, I really like what I've seen out of the Chiefs run game these past couple weeks, Greg. Yeah, I really liked it as well. And it makes me wonder if that is the actual run game that we're going to see going forward. We talked a lot before the New York Jets game about how this would be a prime time to get out some of those ground concepts that marry really well with the running back in the backfield. They definitely did that. Does that still continue here? Are we going to see some more of them setting up the RPOs again against the Minnesota Vikings, running some more of the inside and outside zone with maybe some guys that shouldn't be running some of those types of things? Or do we see them actually fully embrace this and say, hey, listen, the gap scheme is working. And one of the things that we need to do as an offense to build confidence, to build towards you know more success on the offensive side of the ball is actually turning around and running it. The one half that we have seen the Kansas City Chiefs ignore the run game for this season was arguably their worst half of football that they have played on the offensive side, barring turnover. So I do think that Andy Reid recognizes that running the ball just a little bit more with some of these concepts that fit these running backs a little bit better, it doesn't matter if the defense knows they're coming anymore. They are still very successful and the Chiefs can lean on those a little bit more to help alleviate some of the pressure that is on some of these young receiving weapons. Yeah, and I go back to something that I think it was Trey Smith that mentioned uh, last week, just talking about how you know he wouldn't want to prepare for the variety 
in the run scheme that the that the Chiefs present. Because whether or not the Chiefs run outside zone well, you still have to fit it. And if you don't fit it, outside zone starts looking better. So if you can continue to provide variance, you continue to, pro- you know, like at this point, the ba- the cat's out of the bag that the Chiefs are going to mix things up. They're going to run yeah. some, they're going to run gap stuff because they've been doing it in some doses for the last few years and they've leaned on it in bigger moments at times too. So, you know, it, it's not a mystery now. It's It's in their repertoire, right? So the variation probably matters in this iteration of the offense because you still need to try to pre- present that variation a little bit just to, you know, force teams to stay honest and be, have to prepare to fit a bunch of different stuff. Uh, so it could, it, it still has its value even if it's not their most successful run concepts. And you're right, you know, some of the outside zone stuff, it can be easier, more easily tagged with the RPO game. And so if that is something that's going to get going, they're going to need to involve that as well. Uh, I, uh, Maddie, is it going to be Isaiah Pacheco leading the, leading the team in rushing again this week? Is that what we think? Oh, I mean, I, I think it's pretty comfortable to say yes at this point in time. I, I still think Clyde looks good for the, for the Chiefs this year, but he's kind of taken a clear like running back to role. No, I guess the one thing for Pacheco that could get a little bit dicey this week is the Vikings do like to blitz a lot, and they just threw a bunch of blitzes at the Chargers, and a lot of those were run blitzes. A lot of those were just shut down the Chargers run game because it was coming off of the back of them being successful running the ball. You throw run blitzes at Pacheco, and he starts to get a little antsy and starts outrunning, outpacing his blockers. He starts bouncing stuff. We've seen him do that even last week. Maybe he takes a few negative plays, and Coaching, they, they like it when players can make their own thing happen, but when you start going outside of what the scheme asks for and then have a negative play or leave yards in the field, that's when they get a little annoyed. So maybe Pacheco makes a couple early bad decisions and you get a heavy dose of Clyde in the middle of the game. I still think Pacheco has the most yards. It's just it is worth noting that this Vikings defense might be able to take advantage of a guy that does like to just find space and find it as fast as possible, and then they can fill it with somebody coming from the second or third level relatively quick. I think that we're going to see a big Clyde Edwards-Hilaire game. I think that we're going to see him do enough. And a big game for Clyde Edwards-Hilaire is not necessarily going to look the same as last week's Isaiah Pacheco game. Maybe it's a game where he goes for 65 yards and a touchdown, catches a ball in the air, miss, makes a couple guys miss in the passing game a little bit. I just feel like this is one with the Minnesota Vikings defense being as aggressive, getting downhill as quickly as they want to, and trying to really attack in a way that maybe doesn't make them the most gap sound the guy that makes this offensive line right the most in Clyde Edwards Hilaire maybe makes the most sense to try and rack up a few more yards take advantage of some of the over pursuit that's happening and really hit the holes in the ways that it should be this offensive line still got to block it up well for Clyde but I do feel like there are more opportunities for him to maximize yardage behind this offensive line then maybe a guy like Isaiah Pacheco, who can rip off a big long one at any point in time here. It's certainly a valuable asset as a RB1, but I feel like this is a real key Clyde Edwards-Alaire game against an aggressive attacking defense. I'm curious just to see in the running back rotation too how much Jarek McKinnon even gets involved. He's been at a very low snap count percentage over the first four games of the season. Only in the, He's playing in the 30s from a percentage standpoint. And that's a lot lower than where he's historically been. Maybe a little bit to manage the pitch count a little bit. But interestingly enough, he's been in, he's been in, in a lot more special teams this year too. Uh, so kind of a fascinating usage by, by Jarek McKinnon. 
I don't know how much he's going to factor into the run game this week, but I do think as the season gets on, you're going to start seeing him get involved a little bit more in some of the more crucial areas of the game because of his pass protection capabilities, because of you know his pass catching abilities as well, and just how reliable he's been in the past. So maybe just trying to manage his load a little bit. But yeah, I think it's Pacheco leading the way again. I think he's going to wind up leading the team in rushing, and hopefully it's not Patrick Mahomes either. Yeah, and I mean that's one. This is what we're watching for this week, right? This run matchup against the Minnesota Vikings, probably one of the better run defenses the Chiefs have faced up to this point statistically. Can they have the same level of success they've had the past few weeks? That's what we're looking at. But we got other people watching for other stuff. Let's head on over to Only Weird Games, and they're gonna they're gonna break down somebody that's maybe been struggling these last couple weeks for us. Thank you, Matthew. Uh, Only Weird Games here to talk about the slumping Patrick Mahomes, Seth. Is Patrick Mahomes b- 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 broken? Yes. No, that's okay. <laughs> no, and, and Matt, back to you. So I, I would just say this. Patrick Mahomes coming off an uncharacteristically very poor game. That was a mm-hmm. poor game in a, kind of a weird way. Had an incredible game against the Bears. Like Made like no mistakes. But then he had two games before that where he was good for him. Or no, he was good for normal. Yes, yes. Was, for Kirk so, Cousins, he was good. Yes. Yeah, for him, he was okay-ish. Yes. And that's I'm not talking statistically, of course. I'm talking, you know, looking at the charting. He had two straight weeks of being decent for Mahomes. A fire-breathing dragon game against... It's hard to be a... You don't really need to be a fire... He was more like a, the kid with the magnifying glass burning yeah. ants. Yeah. And then... <laughs> it wasn't an extreme display of power. It was more about the futility of the ants. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And then and then, a, and then a, a semi-rough performance, actually pretty rough performance, against the Jets that I'm writing about tomorrow. So I just... It would be interesting to see against a bad Vikings defense if, uh, if Mahomes and the offense get their groove back a little bit. You've already written about that, Seth. It's on the Chief in the North newsletter right now. Mm-hmm. Nate, how much of that is legit? How much of that is... Is there a real reason behind there's 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 legitimacy to it just because his footwork was not great against the Jets. Um, he understood that his offensive line wasn't performing well, so he had to use his legs probably more than he wanted. Um, one thing that I'm interested in really seeing is, you know, and obviously Seth alluded to this on Only Weird Games, but can Patrick Mahomes sort of improve his accuracy in decision-making in that intermediate to deep area of the field? Now, um, I know statistically he has eight touchdowns and four interceptions, one of which is more on Kadarius Tony. Another one against the Jacksonville Jaguars, I believe, was just purely out of frustration, and you can just call it an arm punt. But having two interceptions that are fully on his sort of issue right now, I, I would tend to think that he needs to get back to playing just a clean game um, in the footwork, in the decision-making. And if the Chiefs don't turn the ball over, against the Vikings, they will more than likely win. Of course, Patrick Mahomes touches the ball before every offensive play, we think, unless, you know, Andy does something crazy. But otherwise, my my thing is, does the accuracy improve from last week and does Mahomes not put the ball in harm's way against a defense, like Seth said, that that can give up yards uh, based on what we've seen so far this season? Let's talk about the feet and the footwork and how the foot works. Because it's pretty easy to forget, Patrick Mahomes has a sprained ankle. It's not a high ankle sprain, and I don't even know if he's on the injury report. He obviously has practiced fully for a while now. 
But we talked about this some on the show. And I think it's interesting looking at the turf at MetLife and yeah. figuring out if there's anything extra there. Obviously, Mahomes looked good when he was scrambling. When you're scrambling, you're just running. I mean, you are running and running forward, and you've done that motion a lot of times, I'm sure, with a sore ankle here or there. Um, Seth, did you see anything, again, kind of in terms of the footwork? And also, I know I know the lab guys were, were talking and tweeting about this also, that when you say, hey, you know, Mahomes has these little fadeaway throws, that could be about trying to take some, some pressure off the ankle. But also, even some of those short and intermediate throws didn't have Patrick Mahomes zip on them, right? Yes. It was weird because even normally when he's throwing these fadeaway looks, he still gets heat on the ball and can still has the arm talent to deliver accurately with heat. It's one of the things that separates him. Sunday, I mean, it really was multiple throws. They they looked like ducks. It was weird. And so I, I'm curious to see like if he has another game where the velocity seems oddly lacking. Mm. I'm I'm going to start to wonder about anything else going on. And again, I have no reason to think it was anything other than just a weird game. Bomb, well, you know. Yeah. And then, and you know, just for him for one reason or another, because he, <laughs> it just looked different from one quarter to the next. And so I, I'm curious about Mahomes just to see what he looks like out there because he didn't look like himself. But then at the end of the game, he was scrambling and looked fine on the ankle. And so like had someone said, oh yeah, he actually hurt his elbow. I would have been like, oh, that tracks, that checks out and. So I I haven't heard anything to indicate that he has, but that's why I'm going to have my eye on him. Again, he's been he's been good this season. Mahomes is always terrific. Um, the Jets defense that just gave him some problems held Josh Allen and company to 16 points. I mean these are these are realities of the league. You're playing one of the best defenses in the league. So we'll see because the Vikings are not one of the best defenses in the league. And 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 maybe just maybe they blitz Mahomes to find out. Just just. Brian Flores blitz him just to see what it's like. You know, there should be get, some kind of meme about that or something. Just, just it really get a should. feel for what the quarterback is capable of with five or more. Hell, do an engage eight just to just to make it fun for everybody. But yeah. if they blitz Mahomes and Mahomes struggles, that also could be an indicator of like, hmm, maybe this is again something we're not necessarily accustomed to. Let's around and find out what Ryan Flores. Easy for me to say. I thought I was going to nail the dismount, and it you know is hard enough for me to to speak in coherent sentences. But look, I've been trying to you know drag Seth across his finish line for long enough. I I am admittedly exhausted. Big week for Kadarius Tony. Big week. I'm going to say huge. Big week for Kadarius Tony. We're all on the same page more than the Chiefs' offenses. Back to you, Matt. Well, thank you, Josh. I'm glad you guys are on the same page, and hopefully the Chiefs get there too. We're going to get on with everybody else's things to watch this week. First, a quick little break. It's more fun to be there for live Kansas City Chiefs football. And when you need tickets, Ticketmaster's got you covered. As the official marketplace of the Kansas City Chiefs and the NFL, Ticketmaster gives you more ways to find your perfect seat. Their interactive seat map gives you 360-degree previews of your section to make sure you have the best view of those pivotal plays. And if your plans change, Ticketmaster gives you more flexibility to sell or transfer your tickets. Plus, mobile tickets make getting in on game day a breeze. And you can even customize your Ticketmaster app to rep your team's colors. Find tickets today at Ticketmaster.com Chiefs. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. 
Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. And we're back. Thank you guys for coming back. We are here. We are going to now send it over to outside the trenches where they are going to break down if there's a little bit of trouble in Trenchtown. All right, let's get into it. Outside the trenches here, Nick Leckie, Big B, Brian Hanley. We've got a full crew this week. Super stoked to talk about the trenches on today's One Thing to Watch in Our Five Things. We talk about the Chiefs' offensive line, and frankly, they're coming off a not very good performance against the New York Jets. I think it's pretty easy to pick on the one guy that's been spotlighted in it all, and even though he might not have had the penalties he's been spotlighted for, it might have been the worst game of his Chiefs career, Big B, and Jawan Taylor did not play very well. Uh, what were your thoughts on the Chiefs' offensive line performance against the Jets and how they can kind of correct it against the Vikings? You know, it wasn't good when you think of pass protection per se, but they ran the football. Yeah. So I, I, I think everybody puts the big spotlight on pass protection, uh, and it was bad. Let's let's just call it what it is. It was bad. Uh, Jawan Taylor, he was bad. But they were able to run the football. And I don't care what anybody says. You can't run the football if your offensive line is playing bad. You just can't do it. That's It's impossible to do. So when you look at both sides of it, I would still give them maybe a C, C- minus for the day. But they were able to run the football. So was it, it wasn't great, but it may not have been as bad as what a lot of people thought. You know, I I think for for me, if if I'm looking at one to watch, uh, I'm going to look at see what the Vikings can do with this offensive line. It's been not so great. Uh, they're also without their their center Garrett Bradbury, and I think he's going to make a make a return. And I believe he's a Remington winner, if if I'm not correct. And he's had some back issues. And why I'm also focusing on this offense line is because last week they signed Mr. K State Dalton Roger. That's true. So I, I think, you know, he's going to make an impact. I think, I don't know what happened if they overemphasized the shove on the sideline to the backup quarterback last year in Denver. And it's like, first of all, if you're the backup, stay away. We're doing work over here. You know, don't come over here and try to give me some rah-rah speech when the season is in the tank. You know, I don't need that nonsense. But I think Dalton Reiser is a fantastic guard, and I think he brings you a lot of value. And he's fresh legs, and he's a veteran. So, and he's got a point to prove. He's going to make make some money. Absolutely. A couple of couple of notes that I made about that Vikings offensive line. 
Uh, tied for 19th in pass block efficiency. That's a metric from Pro Football Focus. And as much as we've talked about the Chiefs not being very good in uh, in pass blocking, the Chiefs are tied for 13th, so the Vikings are even worse uh, when it comes to to bas- pass blocking pro- uh, proficiency, according to PFF. And, and another, an interesting nugget I found about the, the, Chiefs, uh, the Chiefs' offensive line is they're tied for 11th in pressures allowed. That's a lot of pressures being allowed. But they've got 46 to only one sack. So they've only allowed one sack. That's obviously tied for the league uh, low in sacks. And again, that's a whole trope that we saw play out last year with Andrew Wiley and Orlando Brown when it comes to the Chiefs allowing a lot of pressures, um, but Patrick Mahomes being able to negate all those pressures because Patrick Mahomes is very good at what he does. We can talk about a lot of all those pressures, like the time of what those pressures come from, where uh, there's a whole nuanced conversation you could have about wide receivers getting open if he's having to stay in the pocket for longer, if more pressures come that way. Sure, we can have that conversation, but the uh, the offensive line is going to need to step up as Donovan Smith tied for ninth and pressures allowed. Vikings got themselves a guy who's allowing a lot of pressures as well, who Ed Ingram is also tied with Donovan Smith. Ten pressures being allowed this year. He's tied for ninth in the NFL. Uh, Nick already talked about a little bit of the uh, Vikings offensive line. Big B, what are your thoughts on uh, that kind of... seems like they're just kind of all thrown together. They're mod podge group that they're trying to just hold the ship together with. Yeah, I, I mean, and that's true. You know, and the thing about Minnesota is they don't really run the ball very well. Now, I know they had a decent game last week. I go, but they don't really run the ball either because they want to drop back and throw the ball. Let's just call it what it is. They want to throw the ball a lot. And Kirk Cousins takes a lot of hits. He does. I mean, he gets beat up. Uh, so this is an opportunity for the Chiefs to get after him. The Chiefs to just turn up the the pressure and get after Minnesota. Uh they're they're gonna give up some plays to Justin Jefferson anyway. I don't care what. You're gonna give up some plays to that guy. He's too good. So you gotta hit the quarterback as many times as possible. That's the name of the game. I think this is an opportunity for for Chris Chris Jones and company to just to tee off. Anything you want to add, Dick? You know, I, I think this will definitely be one of those games where where the the defense will, will get it right. Uh, at like like they do, and I think you know you can maybe rest some people too, if if you're hurt. Like you could you can sort of roll the dice and say, hey, look, you know I I know you're not full strength, but this would be that game where you'd be like, let's sit this one out. You yeah. know, let's do the opposite of what they're doing in Cincinnati. You know, let's not try and force any issue here. Mm. And so just because it's man, the Vikings are, are that whole NFC North, right? Like what's going on, right? Yeah. They, they were they were held together by Aaron Rodgers, and now that he's not there, they're not even scary anymore, right? They don't they don't frighten me. You know, Khalil Mack's not even there anymore. He's the last great player I could even think of for, from all four of those teams, right? De- Detroit's the, the the new the new kid in town up there. So yeah, Vikings. Now you're like, okay, they they could beat you, right? But it's a low probability. It's a low yes, probability. Yeah. absolutely. Got so much turmoil. They do, and it's it's going to be really interesting. I don't think the uh, the the defensive line of Jonathan Bullard, Harrison Phillips, Dean Lowry, and Daniel Hunter is going to be anything like the defensive line they just faced in the New York Jets. Uh, so I don't think there's going to be many defensive lines they're going to face like the New York Jets. So hopefully a get-right game. We'll say that in air quotes. A get-right game uh, for the Kansas City Chiefs offensive line. Let's go ahead and send it back for more five things. You can hang out with us on Outside the Trenches every Wednesday night at 9 p.m. Catch us after the fact wherever you listen to your podcast. Let's send it back to you. There we have it from the guys. Got to pay attention to the trenches. Hopefully Chris Jones can show up a little bit more impactful this week. You know, groin's feeling a little bit better and he's back out there. 
But next, we got to jump to the defensive side of the ball. We're going to go over to Sean Barber and talk about some stuff the defense can do to hopefully slow down this Vikings offense. Hello, this is Sean Barber from The Process. And my one thing to watch as we prepare for the Minnesota Vikings is understanding how to do your job. Defensively, when you're facing a team with as many offensive weapons as the Vikings have, and they got weapons all over the board. They have uh, All-Pro Jefferson. They have K.J. Osborne. They got a uh, phenomenal rookie in Addison. Hey, one of the best, you know, top five tight ends in Hawkinson. And they got a quarterback that can get it to him in Kirk Cousins. Um, and they have uh, Madison and Cam Akers at running back. So I've just named off almost eight weapons. Defensively, how do you defend a team with so many weapons? Do your job at all three levels. D-line, you got certain gaps responsible for. Rush lanes, pass rush lanes. Linebackers, there's certain man-to-man coverage, zone coverage. And then DBs, we got to be a top-down defense. We can't give up touchdowns. You can give up a first down, but that at the sake of a touchdown. No big passes. Make them keep snapping the ball. Historically, the Minnesota Vikings, because of their lack of uh, attention to detail on their offensive line, has been porous. They've been allowing some pressure uh, to create some untimely throws and decision-makings by Kirk Cousins. So with that, I think that if everybody does their job, we will be successful on defense and therefore win the game. For more on this, I brought in my son. This is my one of my sons, Deacon Barber. He's a ninth grade football player at Blue Valley. And he's going to talk about how as a wide receiver, it's important to do your job even without, when, when you're not the targeted receiver. As a freshman in high school, you're taught as a wide receiver to just run your route and make sure nobody gets in your way and make sure even if you don't get the ball, do your job. So you had to do your job, run your route full speed, because even if, even if the ball doesn't come to you, you might be having to pull a defender out of a zone so that another receiver can come. And then obviously you got to finish off the play by blocking. So on offense, when you're a wide receiver, there's multiple things to do besides just catch the ball. And in defense, he's also a cornerback. And so at cornerback, when you're a man, you got to have your eyes where? On man on defense. Man. On your man. On you know, man. zone, you got to know. On the quarterback. On the quarterback, know your zone. So no matter what you do on the field, you're always one of 11. It's not an individual sport. It's a team sport. Together, everyone achieves more. So by that, the Chiefs defense, do your job. Know your responsibility. And that is my key to the success when it comes to the Kansas City Chiefs playing the Minnesota Vikings. Back to you. Do your job. That's a great point there from Sean Barber. All right, next, for our final thing, our fifth thing here, we are going over to BJ and Carmen Vitale of Fox Sports. They are going to talk a little bit about how the Vikings defense might try to keep the Chiefs offense on the ropes. Thanks, Batty. I'm BJ Kissel. We're hanging out with Carmen Vitale. She covers the NFC North for Fox Sports, and Carmen's been nice enough to drop by before. We'll talk a little Chiefs-Vikings, Carmen, if that's okay with you. Yeah, absolutely. Let's do it. All right, let's talk Vikings-specific, because you cover, obviously, one of the four teams that you cover. What are the top storylines for the Vikings at this point in the season going into this game on Sunday against the Chiefs? Well, coming off their first win in Carolina, you're starting to see this defense, these defensive system under Brian Flores take hold a little bit. Harrison Smith is the first one to benefit from that, which makes a lot of sense uh, because of the fact that Flores told me before the season started that this defense was going to go through Harrison Smith and Jordan Hicks, the two vets. Um, and, and that's kind of how he built his system around these guys and having these guys be able to be almost coaches on the field and be able to kind of check into different defenses and different coverage looks and different pressure looks uh, based on what they're seeing out of the offense. 
Brian Flores gives that autonomy to his players. And so you saw Harrison Smith go off yet last last week, and I think he's the first of more players that could be starting to benefit from this season or from this system. Daniel Hunter already has five sacks. So that's it's it's, it's a good pace, and I think it's going to keep up, and we could see a career year out of Daniel Hunter as well. So I want to see that continue to improve for the Vikings because that I believe is going to be the difference between them winning or losing these one score games that they always seem to find themselves. (laughs) And it's one thing I want to talk to you about the the Vikings pass defense and the Chiefs passing offense because one of the storylines people have been talking about here locally with a lot of the young receivers. But before I do that, I want to ask you about the one score games because it was such a storyline last year. I think you correct me if I'm wrong. It was like 11 and 0 or something. 11 and 0. Yeah, they were so good in one score games, and then they started the 0 and 3 this year. And again, all one score games. What's been the difference? I mean, we talk about margin of error. Everybody that covers the NFL talks about margin of error. It's six to ten plays a game. What is it about this year with those first three games that they lost? That because they played a couple good teams. It wasn't like they were playing uh, teams that weren't very good when they did that. But they were still playing them tough. It's been turnovers. That's been the issue for this Minnesota offense in particular that just wasn't there last year. Um, there, there still was obviously some, but I mean, the, the rate at which the Vikings were turning the ball over in the first three weeks of the season was just astronomical and Kirk Cousins, multiple interceptions per game, um, and, and, or fumbles, fumbles have been their huge issue. And outside of that, Kirk Cousins had been playing well in those first three games, but then it is, it was the defense that was kind of not able to make the stops when they needed to, not able to prevent teams from scoring points. Uh, not letting, not getting that pressure home. And we saw that start to turn around against Carolina. And it was ironically in a game where Kirk Cousins had his worst game of the season. He did throw two interceptions and I think he only, he didn't even have 200 passing yards in the game. Uh, but again, this is where the complimentary football aspect of the Vikings kind of came into play and they were finally able to eke out one of these one score games because of their defense and start winning because of their defense. And I think that when one side of the ball kind of struggles, you need to pick it up with the other side. So that's what they did so well last year. Uh, the defense still gave up a lot of points. Obviously, Ed Donatel no longer with the team, but they came in clutch when they needed to. They made the stops that they needed to when they needed to make them. So that was the difference last year. I think we're going to start seeing that a little bit more out of the Vikings. Like I said, I'm really looking for this team to continue improving, but it's going to be really difficult against one of the league's better teams, obviously, in the Chiefs. Yeah, we're talking about the first three games. At least three point, it was twenty to seventeen, three point loss to the Bucks to open up the season, and then it was a four point loss on the road to the Eagles, thirty four to twenty. Excuse me, six point loss, thirty four to twenty eight, and they lost four points to the Chargers, twenty eight twenty four. So again, talking about the Chargers and the Eagles specifically, those two of the most talented teams in the league, and so I think it's a good matchup uh, for the Chiefs. The we talk about margin of error just how this team needs to play and not necessarily be playing their best football, you know, in early October. It's just kind of a, a progression towards the end of the season, especially with as many young guys as the Chiefs have playing for them right now, spe- specifically on the offensive side of the football. I don't think they can go out and play the way to, they did against the Jets and expect to beat the Vikings because they're a better football team. So one of the things locally, one of the big storylines is the young Chiefs receivers. Uh, Rasheed Rice, Sky Moore getting a ton of reps. A lot of talk all offseason about do they need Odell Beckham? Do they need DeAndre Hopkins? And all of a sudden, the season starts. Travis Kelsey's banged up a little bit. Passing game isn't quite there. Everybody's trying to figure out the answers. I don't think some people think it has to do with the tackles. Donovan Smith and Jawan Taylor being new guys in that mix. We saw last year Patrick Mahomes is one of the most pressured quarterbacks in the league, but yet one of the most least sacked quarterbacks in the league because he can can extend plays, gets outside the pocket, makes all those crazy plays. 
But the difference for me is the young receivers, they're just, they don't have enough experience yet to necessarily always be in the right spot or always be where Patrick Mahomes expects them to be based on the way that the coverage is being shown. And you mentioned Brian, Brian Flores right off the top, a veteran defensive corner, had a lot of success in this league, one of the better defensive minds in this league over the past decade or so. Uh, if you talk and just hear the way that people talk about, you know, what he's done and throughout his career. So for the Chiefs young receivers going up against this secondary, what within that matchup is going to be the key for you as to how this game is going to play out? I really do think a lot is going to depend on Patrick Mahomes and if he has established a rapport with these guys and is able to make things happen when the play breaks down. Because I do think that Brian Flores, again, with Harrison Smith now in the, back, the defensive backfield, he's kind of the captain of that defensive backfield, makes everything go. There's nothing he hasn't seen either. He's a very cerebral player. He's very good at anticipating what offenses are trying to do and how to counter them as a defense. So they're going to be in the right spots. And even though I mean, Byron Murphy has been doing well for the Vikings, not I don't think it has been as good as you need him to be. You have a Caleb Evans that's now, he battled through some concussion issues last year, but he's playing opposite Byron Murphy. And they're they're okay. It's, it's okay. But a lot of Brian Flores' system is predicated on getting pressure up front. And that pressure has not been getting home up until kind of this last game. And that's made it's made it so there's a lot more stress on the defensive backfield, and the way that Mahomes can kind of improvise and caught and, and make these defenders have to de- stay on their guy for four, five, six seconds. That's really difficult for defenders to do. And so if Mahomes can keep doing that and can hit these young receivers six seconds later after the play breaks down because he knows where they're going to be and they know where they're supposed to be or they're paying attention to where Patrick Mahomes is. Uh, that's going to be, I think, a really big key for the Chiefs offense to be successful against a Brian Flores defense that, again, equips the players with a lot of checks and just different looks and and options as far as how they kind of go after offenses. They they act as an offense themselves in a lot of ways. Yeah, I think you made the point. I think if the Chiefs' young receivers step up and make plays, I think this is a perfect time to see it uh, at this yeah. point for the Chiefs. I don't think... We were just talking about this before. I don't think they're going to go come out and all, score and all of a sudden score 50 points and everything just clicks. I think it's going to be a gradual progression. You just want to yeah. see just a handful of plays. And even some of, not the back shoulder stuff. I want to see some of like the plays break down and these young guys yeah. figure out how to get into an open space. And you see things yeah. that might not be within the script or within the, the way that the play was designed. But the way that Mahomes sees it, the way that the young receiver sees it, the way that they read the leverage and all those things, they find an open spot. They could... They could throw what we've used to see. And the hard part with that, Carmen, you've covered this for a long time. You understand. Like sometimes we, when we're watching, don't understand when a mistake is made with something like that, because it's, we know when somebody drops a pass or if a route's just a little bit off or a guy stumbles, we don't know if he misreads the coverage and runs a slant instead of an out or just whatever it would be. We don't always see those things. So that's what I'm looking forward to. I do want to ask you about one player because when Marcus Davenport, was brought over to the Vikings. He was a first-round pick, number 14 pick just five years ago. Thought he was going to be a dude to kind of offset and give Daniil Hunter somebody on the other side so he doesn't get so much attention. Just had the 45 snaps against Carolina last week. Had only played a few snaps a couple weeks before that against the Eagles. How important is he to overall what the Vikings are trying to do in getting consistent pressure for Brian Flores in that defense? Yeah, he didn't have... He was he was active and and played the, the game before Carolina and really didn't play. Um, it was just kind of a way to ease him in a little bit more. And that was what you saw 
um, against Carolina as well, still kind of easing him in after being injured to start the season. But I talked to when I talked to Brian Flores, I talked to him right before the season started for a extended period of time. And he told me how excited he is to not only have to deal Hunter, but also Marcus Davenport. Brian Flores has never had these blue chip pass rushers, um, even if they're a little bit past their prime at this point in the case of Marcus Davenport. Um, but he's never had that. He's always he's never had a guy go over 10 sacks, despite the fact that his units have gotten so much pressure and have sack have, have been in the top five. I mean, when he left Miami, they were top five in sacks in the league. Um, and he did it all without having he spread it out over so many different players. He got super creative because he had to. He didn't have the personnel. He now has the personnel, but we're also not seeing that creativity drop off either. So I think it's just a matter of getting Marcus Davenport a little bit more into the fold. Like I said, this is a really complex system. It's not something that you can just kind of come into and execute to perfection right away. It takes guys a little bit of getting used to it and really understanding the why behind it. That way they can execute it to its fullest extent where you are, again, changing things on the fly and based on what you're seeing. Um, that's really up to a lot of the a lot of the players have that autonomy and it's going to be very interesting to see what Ryan Flores can now do by staying as creative as he's been, but now also having pass rushers that are really, really good and really reliable. So I expect a better, even a, a better game from Marcus Davenport. And I expect between Daniil Hunter and Marcus Davenport, them to really stress that Chiefs offensive line and make them make some really hard decisions, uh, especially with some of these pressure looks that, I mean, Brian Flores is putting no defensive linemen and just all outside linebackers up on the line of scrimmage in no. in multiple situations. I mean, his fronts are just insane. Uh, and now he has the personnel to do it. It's a really interesting, just kind of philosophical or strategic discussion uh, regarding creative defensive quarter. Because Spags is kind of the same way. Well, he'll bring guys from all over the place. He'll go cover zero in the middle of, like, he doesn't care. Um, how much of that is by design or how much of it's by necessity because you have to be creative to get pressure because you don't just have dudes where you can just line up for and get pressure. Uh, the Chiefs saw that a few years ago in a Super Bowl that you had a good view from when you were working for the Bucs uh, where you didn't need to blitz anybody because you're getting home with four. There's no no point getting super creative. Just line up and beat the dude in front of you. Um, it's going to anyway. be really interesting too just because Pat Trick Mahomes is so good against the Blitz and Brian Flores yeah. I mean the Chargers game two weeks ago he I think he blitzed on 81% over 81% of Justin Herbert's dropbacks so that's not going to work against Patrick Mahomes it didn't work against Justin Herbert to be clear uh, Justin Herbert still did phenomenally in that game um, but I'm going to be very interested to see just how what the game plan is and how that differs from what we've seen so far. Brian Flores, I mean, he has over a 60% blitz rate on the season. So that's going to be very interesting, just given the fact that you really can't blitz Patrick Mahomes. But that was going back to our early discussion. That was Patrick Mahomes with receivers that he knew like the back of his hand that knew him like the back of their hand. It's a great point. So now that's going to, that this is where that kind of comes full circle, where if these young receivers are on the same page with him and the play breaks down and they can find ways to get open. Uh, yeah. Pat's going to buy them time even against the blitz, but are they going to be in the right places? That's it's, it'll be very, it'll, it's going to be a very interesting game. I'll take you that point and I'll raise you a jet McKinnon going back to his old stomping grounds <laughs> up there in Minnesota, not the same stadium, but up there uh, is, we're waiting. Not for him to get, <laughs> yeah. We're waiting for him to get uh, probably second half of the season. Andy Reed, playing chess with all the play calling and all that stuff. He, 
it'll hold stuff back, but interesting to see how it all plays out. But Carmen, thank you so much. Uh, let the the fine folks listening or watching this, let them know where they can find your content. Cause a lot of people, if you like the NFL and not just the chiefs, make sure you're checking out Carmen stuff. It's always good. Where can they find it? Carmen? Thanks. Uh, foxsports.com is where all my articles appear. Uh, follow me on Twitter and Instagram and even TikTok. Uh, that's where you'll see all my various appearances on podcasts and television appearances and all that kind of stuff at Carmen B. You're a little bit of everywhere all the time. Every time I get on there, you're all doing some other national show. It's awesome to see. Good to see good people doing good, big things. So thank you so much. And uh, Maddie, we'll send it back to you. Oh, thank you guys. Yes, hopefully the Chiefs offense has some answers for what the Vikings defense might try to do and they can get back on track this time. All right, that's it. That's five big things that you got to watch for this weekend coming up for this game. Chiefs, Vikings coming up this Sunday. It's your late afternoon game for the vast majority of the country. Should be a good one. We appreciate everybody listening to this. And now as for Sunday, in the morning, check out the Sports Radio 810 pregame show. That kicks off before all the NFL games start. Get yourself ready. And then afterwards, after the Chiefs-Vikings game concludes, make sure you come back in here, hang out with us. We'll be going live from the Kingdom Bar immediately following the finish to the Chiefs-Vikings there in the evening. We will appreciate it if you guys come back. Come say hi. Tell us your thoughts about the game. Until then, go Chiefs, and we'll see you then.